Scorsese says that cinema is a matter of what's in the frame and what's out. Sometimes it's as much about what we don't see as what we do. For me, Scorsese has an incredible knack of making me want to see what's off camera. I'm unsure whether that's intrigue or fatigue, a fine line. Today's director is, however, one of cinema's enigmatic characters, and I'm hoping to learn about his life behind the scenes. I'm Martina Minow, and I'm joined today by Sebastian Gale, director of American Beauty and the Beast. Welcome, Sebastian. Hello, Martina. Delighted to have you here. And you. I'm surprised you were here. I thought you were in a bit of a fracas with Rowena last week. Don't talk to me about that bitch. You come on here, we're one minute in, you've already brought her up. Sebastian, that is not acceptable. Well, frankly, my dear, I didn't expect to see you here when I heard that she glassed you with a statue of an Oscar that she broke on a bar, but obviously I'm delighted to see you. That'll be the only Oscar Rowena Rowe handles, so that's something Mm. at least. Look, Sebastian, I don't want to get all aggressive so early on, but I can't believe you've come in here with this type of fighting talk. Well, frankly, Martina, I like, as you know, to bring aggression into the rehearsal room. I've always said, start with a yoga class and then unleash wild llamas on them. I think, frankly, if we bring in this aggression into an environment that doesn't usually have it, we start to uncover more exciting things. Mm, interesting. And was that the root inspiration behind American Beauty and the Beast? Yes, I think I think I start every film with aggression, with uh, attempting to disrupt. Because what I did there, Martina, and I do apologise slightly, is I was showing you how I work. Oh. I was giving you a bit of demonstration. Oh, how very method of you, Sebastian. I am method. I've always said a method, use a method in the kitchen when you're baking a cake, use a method in a rehearsal room when you're baking a play or a film. And in this case, American Beauty and the Beast really was a bit of a passion project mm. for me, because as you know, I've, I've been working in many, many films in the industry, and I've never quite got the chance to actually bring my own techniques to it. Yes. Producers somewhat stifling, you know, Martina. I see, I see. So there is method in your madness. That is most reassuring. So mm. obviously I've watched American Beauty and the Beast. Um, I found it most intriguing. But for our listeners who haven't yet seen it, could you summarise what's it all about? Well, yes, because I wanted to deal with Americana, which is obviously the uh, trappings of American lifestyle. But Mm. at the same time, I've always really loved fairy tales. So I did a bit of a fusion. I love fusion in my food. Why not have fusion in my films? And uh, so I decided to take the fairy tale of Rapunzel, obviously, and uh, mix it with Americana. By Americana, I mean that specific painting of the farmer and his daughter that's used in the opening credits of that seminal work, Desperate Housewives. So I wanted essentially to have Rapunzel, but as a farmer and a daughter. And that was the starting point, Martina, for what I think might well be one of my one of my magnum opuses. Oh, absolutely. And it was a wonderful opening scene, beautiful soundtrack as well, I felt. A really nice mashup of American music and fairy tale. I'm sure that's very specific and easy to find. So it was a wonderful opening sequence and um, it was a really bold choice of casting for Rapunzel as well. Really, really enjoyed seeing her come to life. Well, I've always seen it certainly as a masculine role and I wanted that to be brought out. Absolutely. Here we go. It's me, Danny DeVito. Hey, I've got so much hair. 
I can't even get up to this window to let it down, though. Well, you better get up to that window, and boy, oh boy, you better stay up there. There's a reason we bought this tract of farmland with an incredibly tall barn. Danny, da Dan Punzel, you better get up in that hayloft. You better stay, you little What are you talking about? I ain't never made it with no one. You pea brain, you bring me out here to the gothic countryside. Pea brain? Pea brain? You wanna see a pea brain? I'll give you a lump the size of a mush. But, adoptive dad, why are you so mean to me? Is it because of my auburn hair? Yeah, that's exactly why I'm mean to you. Absolutely nothing to do with the eight princes a week sniffing round you. Now get up there, Dan Punzel, before I stack another barn on top of that barn. Sheesh. Oh, Dan Punzel, and I'm not afraid to admit, I'm a bit of a Danny DeVito fan. He's one of the very few Hollywood stars that I've, uh, get a little bit starstruck around, so I was delighted to see him cast as Dan Punzel. And what was interesting was when we started, we did actually want them to have all Welsh accents, which I, I don't know if you have any footage left of that, but, uh, we did have some early scenes, which were actually of later points in the film, where Rapunzel obviously is trying to climb out the window. But in the end, we decided Americana, we should probably have American accents. It might be a, a bridge too far for the general audience. Absolutely. And believe me, I root around until I find hidden footage till the cows come home. So I'm absolutely certain that we will hear some Welsh accents coming out a little later on. Um, and talk me through the costume design for American Beauty and the Beast, because obviously you're, you're meshing together two very specific styles, the Americana, the fairy tale. Did you work with Cyril Sequin on this project? I like to bring myself into the rehearsal room as much as possible. So obviously I appreciate the guiding hands of other people. Mm. But really, I wanted the costume to have more of an angle that was unexpected, which is why we did it all in military khaki. Because I think the costume and the set should bring in different elements than the overall themes. Why connect anything when you can give an audience a smorgasbord of offerings and leave them perhaps a little confused, but actually ultimately satisfied? Absolutely. And make the audience do some of the work, I say, and let them put things together that maybe don't go together. But oh, isn't that the joy of watching, trying to work it all out? Well, perhaps you've seen my stage productions, Martina, in which I made the audience create the costumes from the clothes they were wearing. I brought in the actors stark naked and I made the audience take off their own clothes and dress the actors. Yes, I was actually there and I had to give up a Versace coat that I was rather fond of. But I'm not bitter about it. Well, frankly, it's art, isn't it? Everything that comes back to art in the end. Indeed, indeed. So Dan Punzel, the intrepid hero of our journey, what's Dan Punzel out to do? What's the moral of this story? Well, coming back to the Americana theme, obviously, all Americans want to do, as we know from every book and film ever made about America, is make money. So mm. Dan Punzel, of course, starts cutting off his hair, which is made of finest gold, and selling it at local trade shows in the nearby area. This was also where some of the Welsh acting was rather askew, unfortunately, so we did have to lose quite a lot of footage. But we did get some moments, I thought, in the final cut, and I'm sure you agree, Martina, where you really do see how Dan Punzel is beginning to create a trade, create, build his way up the uh, career ladder, as it were, and actually ultimately become one of the local billionaires of America. 
Mm. And I really enjoyed that motif on capitalism. Danny DeVito, you might say, was the original big short, wasn't he? Out there hustling. And we've got a wonderful scene from the market. You can really feel the hustle and bustle. And there's uh, Dan Punzel out touting their wares. This is in the original Welsh cut, which personally I rather enjoyed. Um, but I'm sure our dear listeners will enjoy seeing how this is juxtaposed with the uh, American accents that are used later. Here we go, Dan Punzel in the market. I've got a hill for sale. I've got a Welsh hair for sale. Put down that sheep. You don't need wool when you've got that Danny DeVito's hair. Excuse me, love. Is that some uh, some hair you've got there for sale? Did I overhear that you had some hair for sale? Yes, you did, Castamonger. Hey, that's lovely. I pass it over here. I'll get a good look. Oh, that's lovely. That is. How much for your entire stock? Well, I've been rowing my hair for two years, uh-huh. and I would part with all of it for two million crowns. <laughs> that's that's a lot of money. Well, aren't you lucky? I don't have uh, two million crowns per se, but what I do have is a roller diner that I was looking to sell worth about that much in terms of business amounts. So I'll tell you what, I'll do you a trade. For all of your hair, you could take over the drive-in diner just down the block. What do you think? I think that sounds like a good deal. I don't want to be a critic. But I can see why you've moved away from the Welsh accents. I used to date a Welshman, but the problem is, you can never tell when a Welshman's cross. You know, even when we were breaking up, I thought, gosh, he sounds lovely. So I do think it was the right move to to move to the American accents. It was when we realised he was slipping into the Italian a little bit too often that we had to pull it back slightly, unfortunately. But such is the art of filmmaking, really. You have to make sacrifices in order to create a final piece. And in this case... It was a rather dodgy Welsh accent that was sacrificed. Absolutely. And, and you don't want to offend people, never. So mm. so Dan Punzel now has a roller diner. Now, I'm not allowed to roller skate, having broken my arm twice. So um, I felt a bit scared by seeing all of this roller action. I'm not built for wheels. Um, how was it doing all of the choreography? Did you work with Felicity Foxtrot, choreographer to the stars? Absolutely, I did. One area, and I think this is important with a director, is that you have to know your own faults. And I cannot roller skate, Martina. Mm. So we brought in Felicity, bless her. And she uh, she did a cracking job, I think. I think the roller diners are a part of essential Americana, as you know. So I think what we wanted to do, again, was bring in something new. So all of the choreography, I insisted, had to be Latin ballroom, but on wheels. Absolutely. Um, there was a beautiful moment. Sun was setting outside the diner. Dan Punzel has a little tumble. And... Uh, their colleague in the diner comes to help them. And actually, it's the first time we've seen Dan Punzel show any signs of vulnerability. Now, was that you letting in a bit of yourself there, Mr Gale, a little bit of your own vulnerability? Absolutely. I think I've always been very vulnerable as a person. Ever since I was a child, I felt open to the world and on my knees in front of the weakness of the wonder of it all. Or something to that effect. But the fact is, is that in all successful stories, there must be a love story. And I realised halfway through, having written and started to shoot the film, that I'd neglected to put one in. So this scene was put in 
more as a nod to a love story that never could be. Oh. That's why I had all of those orchestra players on roller skates with cellos on wheels playing as they rolled in the background. And I just felt that while we couldn't have an extensive romantic story because I had forgotten entirely to put one in, we still had this moment of serenity in the middle of this epic grand Americana fairy tale. And when it comes to love, it's never too late to put it in. Honestly, I really believe that. Let's cut to that moment of vulnerability. Dan Punzel on his knees, sharing his most, his most precious thoughts and feelings. How so very beautiful. Oh there! Careful! <laughs> you almost uh, rolled yourself right out of the car park there. Are you all right? I'm. Uh, my name's Terence. I've uh, I've worked here as the general manager for years. You must be the new new owner, right? I am. Thank you for catching me with your big, strong, vascular arms. Anytime. You know, if my arms weren't vascular, they probably wouldn't work. That's true. That's just a fun little fact about me, Terence. Blood supply is important for good mobility. Sure is. I suppose I could have wooden arms, but then I guess life would be a little harder to navigate. That's true. Hey, uh, Dan Punzel, you... Are you okay? The way that the sunlight is hitting your eyes, you just look so... I don't know. Maybe it's too forward of me to say. But you look kind of vulnerable and earnest. Have you ever been open like this with another person in your life? No, I've never been. Sometimes when I look around at my my hair empire and my roller diner, I just wonder, would it have been better if I just stayed on the farm and peeked over the windowsill? Maybe the dream is better than the reality. I guess that might be why they don't call it the American reality, huh? Maybe the dream is better than the reality. I wrote that after three shots of Sambuca in a local dive, so that just goes to show that inspiration will come from anywhere. Little interesting fact for you. We were originally going to have Terence played by Elaine Stritch, but unfortunately she was dead. Oh, I hate it when that happens. Mm. Oh, well... That moment, we see Dan Panzel at his very lowest, realising that the American dream is not what it seems. Mm. And then Dan Panzel takes a trip home again. And I'd like to ask, Mr Gale, what's your relationship with your family and your home like? Have you ever made that intrepid journey back? Oh, yes. Uh, quite, a, quite a sensitive topic that you touched on there, Martina, but obviously... I'm happy to discuss that I am, as I said, an open, vulnerable person on my knees in front of the waking world. I, as you know, hail from the artistry and magnificence that is Slough. And when I decided to return to Slough, I went very humbled. Obviously, all my family died in that tragic car accident, so I just had to go back and see the place itself. Mm. But uh, when you see the grandeur of that train station, the local ice rink, it did bring back something quite primitive in me, that urge to protect myself so I immediately booked myself into a travel inn and stayed there for three days wrapped in a duvet eating twixes mm -hmm. and it was a bit of a homecoming but then obviously I was glad to return weighted down by the extra twixes that I had eaten to the US 
where I believe the dreams are made rather than slough. Yes, or as I like to pronounce it, slew, but I have got elocution training. I do see that, and I see that you are constantly in the pursuit of bigger and better. Mm. The finale of American Beauty and the Beast, which was a cacophony of senses. Honestly, every bit of my body was on fire watching the great finale of American Beauty and the Beast. You, it really was a sensory overload. Did you attend the screening where they threw cheese at you as well so that you had the touch and smell? Yes, and I haven't had anyone throw anything at me since 1972. And that was an entirely different set of circumstances, I assure you. But I like to get involved, you know. I've been described as very liberal and very open-minded, and if that's how you want to entertain me, by throwing cheese at my face, well, so be it. But tell me, what was that all about, that big finale? We see Dan Ponzel, we see Terence, we see everybody coming together in a big celebration of the American dream. Mm, well, obviously Terence's tragic death as he roller-skated off a cliff was unexpected to the audience, I feel. Absolutely. But what I wanted to do, as we just sort of discussed there, is really bring on all the senses. And I said we can do sight and sound from a film, but touch and smell and taste are not included. So I personally paid out of my own pocket to have people come in with lumps of brie and throw them at the audience members. Yes. And uh, what I wanted to do there was really bring in this sense of everything happening at once, this whirl of colour as Dan Punzel sells the roller diner in order to move to New York and run for president and his giant silver tower. Absolutely. And, you know, we've had worse presidents than Dan Punzel, so got my vote. Let's cut to that final scene, that great call to action, the spirit of Terence floating around like Banquo at the banquet. My gosh, I was overstimulated. Here we go. Dan, Dan Punzel. I'm back. I'm sorry I said I was only popping out for a spell, but don't you know, I roller skated off a cliff. It was peaceful for a while, like Slough Queensmere Shopping Centre after 4.30pm in the afternoon. You know, like Slough Train Station and its six platforms. It's not Reading, but then what is nowadays? Either way, I'm back to tell you to live your dream. I was wrong to doubt the reality of America. Everybody has a great time here. Dan, go for that presidency. Go for it. Thank you, spirit of parents. You've given me the will to carry on and go and become the tyrant I've always wanted to be. But the little man is oppressed. They'll rise up and oppress someone else in future at a grand scale. And anyone else who says that ain't true, let's agree to disagree. Yeah, let's agree to disagree. Well, I can sure feel this. Hey, don't you think this speech is a little cheesy? Oh, and wasn't that just a metaphor for capitalism? The little man will rise up and, and become the big man. Mm, well, frankly, capitalism isn't any worse than all the other ones on offer. I mean, communism isn't going to work either. So frankly, I just put my flag behind capitalism and ride that all the way to payday. Absolutely. The true American spirit. So I'd like to ask, what's next for you, Mr. Gale? Are there any other works on the boil? Well, there are certain projects that I've always wanted to do. I think we often have a habit of focusing on women in film. 
But I'd like to bring attention to a, a corner not really discussed in in art, and that is of the white heterosexual man. Mm. So I'm going to be doing a film called White Heterosexual Man, looking into the troubles of this man who walks down the street because privilege is, as you know, Martina, the word of the day, the word of the decade. And uh, frankly, I think we need to look at what is it like struggling with the fact that you do have privilege. I want to challenge that. I want, I want to look at the fact that he gets a seat anywhere he wants, you know, he doesn't have to wait to get served. He, mm. He's never afraid. I think really that struggle is quite, quite severe. Oh, I can only but imagine how difficult mm. it must be. Yes. Let's cut to the trailer for White Heterosexual Man, directed by Sebastian Gale. God damn it, I don't want another pay rise. Stop giving me all the money. I've had enough of this. In a world where you could have anything you wanted if you just asked or implied it quite strongly while wearing a suit. Look, I'm kissing my girlfriend in public and there's nothing you can do about it. One man is going to explore the entitlements that society's gifted to him without an inch of critical thinking. Babysit for your kids and look after your valuables. Haven't I done enough? As a result of incredible systemic societal and historic privilege, one man will identify but in no way challenge the status quo because it suits him. Hey, that dance you're doing, young black man, is pretty cool. I wonder if I can make a YouTube channel about it. Profit, profit, profit. That's the life of this white heterosexual man. I did the cooking, so time for you to do the dishes. That's equal. Oh well, I can solemnly vow I will never go near a white heterosexual man ever again, Mr. Gale. It's nice when you see your art already being created, because even watching that I felt the impulse just to cry a few tears myself at the privilege I carry. Frankly, it's good to see your own art really make an impact, even through just a trailer. Yes, exactly. Well, that brings us, Mr Gale, to the end of our interview. Do you have any final words of wisdom for our listeners? I would say that when you're in the film studio, to any budding directors out there, of course, because I like to encourage the next round to grow up, the most important thing to do, really, is to take a moment, stop, and then make sure that the camera is facing the right way around. Mm, absolutely. Always make sure the camera is facing the right way. Heaven forbid we self-examine in this life. Well, Mr Gale, it's been a wonderful experience having you on. I hope you will report back to your colleagues in the industry that Martina Minow is the superior broadcaster, no matter what Rowena Rowe might say. Absolutely. And with that, dear listeners, for another week, we bid you adieu. The Improvised Movie Director podcast featured Sabrina Luisi as Martina Minow, with resident improvisers Vicky Hawley and Rory Vieira, with special thanks to today's guest, Doug Dunn. IMDP is produced and edited by Steve Tanner. Theme music by Matt Brown and Johnny Griffiths. Artwork by Marty Sears. Additional music by Stan Babich and Dr Turtle.